This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. Yo. There's certain things that I can talk to you about that I can't really with my dad. I don't think we should talk about this. Hi, welcome to Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen. And I'm here with Lynn today. How are you? Looking forward to the subject. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely interesting. So today we're going to be talking about an article that I found called Why Does Dating Men Make Me Feel Like Shit? And the author is Emma Lindsay. And this is a slightly older article, not too old. It's from February of this year. And I thought I could start by talking a little bit about the article, but also what drove me to look for something like this. So the article is really about the author's experience. I think it's kind of a stream of consciousness piece where she started dating men and she was looking at how she noticed that she felt very different about herself and she felt like she maybe wasn't worthy of being loved because of how she looked and what's really special about this is that she's dated both women and men and so she was comparing her experiences and how those differed and so I think we can talk more about that. What drove me to look for an article like this though was I was seeing a a lot of men clients and the topic of shame and sexual shame was coming up and Particularly, it started often with talking about anger, that they were feeling really angry with their partners or angry with themselves. But I started to recognize this thread of the shame. And so I decided to do an internet search and this article popped up and I was like, oh, this would be a great article to talk about. So maybe Jen, to let our listeners in on, for us, you know, we're therapists. Every day we're thinking, I think, about how shame affects this other part of, uh, you know, sexuality. But maybe to say something about the connection between shame for men and this whole, how you think it connects, how does sexual objectification of women connect with men's sexual shame. And I think it does. But, you know, I'd love to hear your opinion. Well, I think that to start is that I think the way people deal with shame, they have very different ways of coping with shame. And so generally, there are four ways that people deal with shame. And shame is a sense of self where a negative sense of self that you're not worthy of love or worthy of attention or worthy of positive things because there's some sort of terrible flaw in your characteristic, which I think we talked about in a different episode, but is different than guilt, which is about a very specific behavior that you're engaging in. And so with shame, it really makes you feel like you have to hide yourself or defend yourself all the time. So you're very on guard. It's a very, very basic flaw in your person. Right. You know, it's not any behavior that you've done or engaged in, but really essentially a flaw in you, whether it's man or woman. Right. Exactly. And so to to build on that, the way people deal with shame, it, it gets tended to get categorized into four categories. So the first is that they attack themselves. So blaming yourself, you know, 
that's a big pattern we've talked about that women often engage exactly. in. Um, withdrawing, which is just sort of pulling out of things, trying to hide again. That's part of it. Attacking others, which can definitely come out with the anger and blaming, but of somebody outside of yourself. And then avoidance, where you just try not to talk about it ever, you know, pretend it never happened, that type of thing. And these are all kind of coping strategies for dealing with shame, but the, with individuals, they can re really result in very unhealthy patterns. Oh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. No, so you can see somebody who's very avoidant and isolated, and you wouldn't really think that shame is the primary motivator here, but it's really involved in this pattern of behavior. Well, particularly with the anger, which is going back to the question you were asking, I yeah. see a lot of men. So in, instead of being able to take responsibility for their sexual attraction to somebody or for their frustrations, they'll blame it on the other person. She made me do this or she kept me from doing this. And they're not able to own their own sexuality. And I think in exploring in the beginning on the surface, it doesn't look like it would be related to shame. But as you go deep down, a lot of times what comes out is, oh, yeah, I feel ashamed about this. And this article, you know, why does dating men make me feel like shit really gets to this or begins to talk about this? Because this is part of the constellation that when you start to deal with men about some of these issues, uh, you know, their anger toward women around sexuality, you know, it is often connected with their own shame. So it's important, I think, for male and female listeners to be aware. Well, I think what's so, again, going back to what I found so interesting, because I read tons of articles, but this one stuck out to me because she had dated both women and men. And I think the the standard belief, and there's definitely some truth to it, is that because of the culture that you're in, you know, you're seeing all these negative or all these images of these perfect women and you feel you can't live up to them and all the appearance that that would make you feel terrible when you're dating because you're you're more focused on your appearance. And she said, you know, there's some truth to that in her experience, but for her, it was more, it was different. There was something else operating because she noticed when she was dating another, another woman, she didn't feel this way. Or when she was dating other women, she didn't feel like, you know, she was not worthy of being loved because she was unattractive. And there were times where she even didn't feel unattractive. And, and so I think it raised another question where it's like, what else could be going on here? And so what she noticed was when she talked to certain men that they would describe their sexuality in in words using words like creepy and that, you know, ma male sexuality is really creepy. And she was like, what is going on here? Why are they referring to their own sexuality in this negative way? And so I think that sort of started the chain of events. It's interesting, you know, having worked with men in therapy around their sexuality, you know, for generations, really, you see that through all male generations, there's been a very great discomfort with it. The men try to hide. And, you know, so maybe it hasn't been exactly identified as shame, but uh, our culture shames sexuality for men and women. Right. So really, there's a particularly, you know, again, America is a place where we're thought to be you know, a very direct culture around sexuality. And actually, that's not true. We're really 
fairly inhibited, and shame is a big part of that. So it's not surprising that men would be feeling this as women are around their sexuality. And dating is a time where your sexuality is, is fast forward. You know, so it's out there, you're dealing with it, you're trying to manage it a bit or process it, you're trying to engage and attract other people. You know, and this is difficult if shame is a part of it. It really is. Well, I think it's very difficult, too, because that a lot of times you're not recognizing that shame is what's operating. And so you're blaming, you're doing all these other coping mechanisms that as a therapist we're looking at and we can peel it back and we can go, oh, there's shame underlying this. But I think instead there's just a lot of anger. There's a lot of confusion. And so... I want to go back to to the other component of what she was talking about was when when she was looking at, you know, you would think that if if the only thing that is affecting how women are feeling in about their bodies and their appearances is these models, these different medias kind of telling you you have to look a certain way that in lesbian relationships you would think there would be a lot of body image issues and instead what studies seem to reflect is that this is more common in gay relationships. And so what she concluded was that, okay, so it's not just about women and men. It's really that people who are dating men feel worse about themselves in this way. And that is what I think brought up some of her examination of, okay, well, what's going on here? And and I think her uh, observations are astute that, you know, uh, gay males and straight women and women straight women really have uh, more difficulties with body image so that's really been identified that whole area but the whole question of how it affects sexuality you know it really expands it i think it's interesting because you'd want to look at women dating straight men, straight women dating straight men, and you want to find out if after they engage in the contact process, you know, with the man and there's interaction, is that when the shaming really intensifies? Um, because I think there's some, you mentioned earlier, body image issues due to objectification of women in our culture at the very beginning of dating. But let's say, you know, you're two dates in, every time you're two dates in with someone, do you start to feel this? And does it depend on the man himself and how he's responding to you? I think it's a very important question to consider. And key to this question is why do so many women feel badly when they're dating? And I think it also brings up, you know, that there's more to it. Because one of the things, one of the observations she made that I thought was so powerful was that she really comments on how, you know, there's this assumption that women, they feel ashamed when they aren't desired by men. But the experience when you talk to women is that actually they often feel more of that personal shame when they are being desired. And so that brings up the question of like, what is operating there? Why is it, as you're saying, you know, why is it that when you are dating, you feel worse about yourself instead of feeling better? You know, with a lot of the uh, female patients I've seen over time, they've reported this experience. And that is that they, uh, the initial dating period with someone, you know, maybe when they're first becoming sexually active, they start to feel better 
or worse about worse. their body. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And maybe it, they carry it for the relationship that women feel badly about their bodies when a sexual relationship is being begun or started. They pick up all the negative aspects of it. You know, and they may be projected by the men and picked up by the women. There's a process going on. But it definitely is something that I've heard uh, female patients report for generations, this kind of feeling about themselves. And I think that's so striking because that is the experience of a lot of my patients. And, and I think what's interesting is with the guys that I work with, a lot of the times they talk about how you know, they feel that because they are feeling something, the other person, their partner must be feeling something. And that's something we often have to work through where it's like, no, when, when you're engaged in a partnership of whatever kind, there are the different desires. And just because you're having a desire does not mean that the other person is doing it to you which I think is so fascinating. Well, that's a that's a kind of a another issue in dating, I think. It's really important to understand that the other person has separate feelings and they may not be your feelings in the arena of sexuality. That's a huge problem. Right. I think cuz women can falsely assume, "Oh, of course he wants to be in a relationship and right. he wants to get married and have two children in the next 2 years." Of course that's true. You know, but it's very important to look at the other person as a separate person. But this whole dating process, you know, that really leaves women feeling badly about their bodies, there's a lot to this, Jennifer. It really hasn't been explored fully, I think, in our culture. Well, I brought it up with my husband, too, because I found <laughs> this article so interesting. And he was talking about how, you know, I think one thing that isn't discussed is that I think because women and girls are taught that, you know, they have to protect themselves against the sexual aggressions of, of boys and men. What isn't discussed is that the message, the underlying message there is that male sexuality is dangerous. And I think that then, of course, that can play into some of the shame feelings too, because then, you know, those sexual feelings can be a very positive thing. They can make you feel sexy. They can make you feel powerful. They can be a really positive connecting experience. But if it also creates the conflict of, oh, but when I feel that way, I'm a danger, then how people manage that, I think, is very interesting. And you were talking about the culture that we're in. And I think that's some of why we have this rigid dichotomy where either it's sort of like completely tamped down or it's so taken to the, the edges and extreme kind of in-your-face sexuality. Because our culture doesn't allow for the true fluid expression and it, it really is trying to be very rigid about it. So either it's completely this way or it's completely the other way. And we hear this actually in several individuals uh, accused of abuse, male individuals usually, though females too are engaged in it. But with uh, when they're accused of abuse, they kind of support their action by, we have to have sexual feelings, we need to act on them, this is the way it is, it's biology, and you get this kind of defense going on. Yeah. And uh, I think some of this really is around society's expectations and projections around sexuality for men and women, you know, and the negative expectations around male sexuality, too. And uh, men are really unsure, I find, in therapy about where and how to go with their sexuality. I find a lot of the men that I'm working with, their sexuality is very rigid. 
Uh-huh. I would agree with that too. And and I think that creates a lot of conflict and a lot of times the rigidity comes from well my sexuality is dangerous so it needs to be controlled. And I mean certainly I agree that you you can't be abusing other people with your sexuality, right? But I I think that we need to have a different discussion about what healthy sexuality looks like because yeah. having it be so rigid is not healthy for and, yourself either. And you know it's funny about the abusers. I I mean many of the the people who are men who are in therapy have sexuality that's rigid right. and they're conflicted about it and grappling with it. Yeah. But you know as I t talked about earlier today, um, I also work with individuals accused of abuse. Yeah. They're kind of uh, stuck with this other frame, mm -hmm. you know, and they don't recognize that they've kind of split off their sexuality, you know, into a way we used to call it counterphobic in the old days. But, you know, they've got a very active, uh, somewhat abusive sexuality active and in their lives. And then this other part yeah. where they don't see it, you know, and, and, I see these people too. You know, yeah. they're not all men. It's kind right. of like, right. you know, not all men. Right. But, uh, you know, I think there are different groups of men and different coping strategies uh, for dealing with male sexuality. Well, I think it does come back to, too, kind of, you know, for some people it's a trigger word, but it really is about toxic masculinity and the rigidness that comes with that. And I think when you're not able to navigate it in a fluid way, which is really how sexuality operates, then you're left with, you know, well, this feels good, but it's not good. And, and it becomes either or instead of, well, how do I manage this? How do we have a conversation about changing it so that I can desire too. Because a lot of the times, as I, I said, when I'm working with the men, it starts out with the the language people use is very important. And a lot of the times the language is sort of putting what's called the locus of control outside of yourself. So basically saying this person did these things to me and therefore, you know, I can't help that these things are happening to me. And a big part of the therapy is starting to recognize well, what is your part in it? Because you do have a part in it. You have a desire and your desire doesn't have to be dangerous and it's okay to desire. But yes, of course, you need to figure out how you're going to, to work with that desire. And you're talking about basic work really with men and women, you know, around how to help them recognize the I part of their sexuality. Yeah. This is me. These are my desires. It's normal to have them. It's okay. But I need to work in a world where I respect and interact with others. You know, and that's a very important basic. I think because we have such a sexually restrictive culture, we don't really have those basic conversations with men or women, right? you know, and they end up in different patterns of really of abuse. Uh, you know, we started all talking about how this woman right. feels like shit in terms of dating. Well, many men are, I would say, fearful. They're either feel fearful or what I was talking about earlier, kind of counterphobic. Well, anything I do is kind of okay. Right, you know? right. And uh, those two positions are really not that healthy either. No, and I actually do work. I'm, I'm starting, it's starting to click. Actually, I hadn't thought about this before, but I actually do work with a lot of men that are very fearful of their sexuality. They, they are sort of the person who doesn't know how to flirt. They don't know. They're worried about aggressing upon somebody. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's important to acknowledge that too. And, and so they get kind of stuck in that arena where, 
for them, those are the people who, for them, their desire is seen as kind of a dangerous thing and they have to manage it, but then it keeps them from engaging. Yeah. I think you bring up some fun ideas and fun moments and memories of therapies. And, um, yeah. you know, we as uh, therapists really practice flirting in a safe environment. You know, of course, there are boundaries in our work with our patients. But it allows opportunities to kind of test out things, test out feelings, test out ideas, test out sexuality in, a, in an exchange, verbal exchanges. It's yeah. a wonderful arena for that. Well, I think you have to have that safety, that trust. And I think, you know, what's helpful too is being able to establish those boundaries. Because I think a lot of times what happens is you have these young teen boys, they have these high sex drives, and they want to test out these things. But there aren't these conversations about, well, what are the appropriate boundaries? How do you recognize that the sexuality is yours and that you're putting it on somebody else instead of seeing it as them driving something in you and then the blaming and the anger? So I think, again, it goes back to these conversations and being able to explore them at a at a younger age and and being able to look at sexuality in a way where it doesn't just have to be a dangerous thing for men or for women you know and uh, I am deeply indebted to the writer of this article because um, I do think to go back to the article itself you know, it really brings up women should not feel like shit when they're dating, you know, men and when sexuality and sexual relationships are awakening. It should be an exciting time, uh, an adventurous time, a risk-taking time. But really, it should not be one where women feel so badly. And it entails, you know, adding on this male piece to it, really. Well, I mean, hopefully when you're dating, just nobody feels badly. You know, hopefully it's an exciting time where you guys are getting to see and exploring that connection because it can be such a beautiful thing. It, it really can. And those conversations that you have when you first meet someone and you're sexually connecting are so important. They really, they set the frame for the whole relationship to follow. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think another thing that comes up for me, too, is that maybe isn't addressed as often is absolutely it seems to show that for a majority of men, they are more visually stimulated. And so I think that plays into it, too, where a lot of women, the objectification comes from feeling like, you know, it's so that there's no connection there intimately. It's just, oh, he finds me hot, you know, and, and then it, it doesn't feel very good because it's like, oh, I'm just this human body that is hot instead of, wow, he really desires me. And I think that was something she brought up in the article that was really important to explore is, yeah, it's very different when, when you're being complimented in a way that just sort of makes you feel like an item on a shelf. And instead, when it's that interpersonal connection and being able to share that. And this brings us back to conversations, you know, and practicing conversations with patients in our therapy around sexuality. You know, we role play dating mm -hmm. a lot. We role play expectations in the sexual arena. Yeah. That's a really, really important area to practice and to, because just to have had those conversations is really a great pleasure and help for people. Yeah, and I think it's something people do want to do, but a lot of times the shame which under like overlays it 
really makes them feel like they can't do it. They feel bad about themselves and it keeps them silent. And so instead, I think that's kind of going full circle. I think why it's so important to recognize that shame is operating is because then you can have the conversation about shame and how that shuts things down and the silencing. That's really what breaks through the shame. And I, I think that's important to bring in to conversations about sexuality and dating when you're first starting to date, because the other person, you know, as this article points out, has shame too. Right. You know, so you want to know how does it affect them? You know, for many women, they feel as this woman does ashamed and badly about her body. For other women, sexual abuse comes up. Mm -hmm. For men, sexual rejection comes up. Mm -hmm. You know, sexual trauma, sometimes from other boys and men, right. you know, and even women comes up. So there's a lot of different things that come up around shame that it's beneficial to really talk about. Yeah. And I think it's really having those conversations and it, it takes courage and at the same time recognizing like, and that's what moves you beyond the shame is when you connect and you go, oh, you feel that too. Yes. Yeah. Well, we all feel these things. Again, Jen, this is a great article and we'll come back to one of our, our favorite areas, sexuality and shame, which I think we really have to keep talking about. I think so. <laughs> we've We've got to keep it out of the darkness. Come on, let's talk about sex.